Hello, world singers. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Conversations. The lost medal has come and we have read it, and now it is time to break things down to an absurd degree, to maybe the pure axie of oh, their goodness. creation. <laughs> As usual. As per usual, thank you all so much for being here. We today are going to look at in detail the ghost bloods and really see the origins of the ghost bloods, though we have gotten exposure to the ghost bloods in yeah. I mean, this is my question. We're going to talk a little bit just about the specific members of the Ghostbloods that we meet, but then we're also going to talk about how this fits into what we have known up until this point and a little bit of like timeline situation because I have a lot of questions about how this is all working with the Ghostbloods that we know of on Rashar, what their goals seem to be, and then all of this new stuff that we have learned on Scadriel. There is a bunch of things to get to, a lot of quotes, as is often the case when we finish one of these books from Brandon. There's going to be episodes that are more research, scholarly, a lot of details for the nerdy folk out there, and then there's going to be more speculative and theory-based episodes this is the former. This is going to be one that you can return to over time when you just need a little catch up on the Ghostbloods and what we learned about them from the Lost Metal. Do you want to start with uh, looking at the members? Yeah, let's see who we've got. We talked about them a little bit in our last episode, but let's really kind of dive into who these people are, starting with the first one that we meet, Moonlight, a.k.a shy from the emperor's soul perhaps a revelation to the casual reader of the lost metal but this is hard confirmed now multiple words of brandon including in a recent live stream that moonlight and shy from the emperor's soul are the same person one and the same yeah and i love her first description of what she brings to the table quote art criticism fighting if needed Wise cracks when appropriate, end quote. A solid member to add to the crew. <laughs> yeah. And we know... The art criticism is really, I feel like, the first clue that she's shy. 100%. That's kind of these like little references until eventually when she is... All spoilers all the time. Everybody knows this. Yes. She stamps herself and becomes an Elantrian. It is at that moment that she says this, quote, I have always been Shay, she said, gesturing, blessed of the Shayod, end quote. That is towards the end of our interactions with Moonlight, because uh, she kind of goes rogue after that. But we are left with this in-book soft confirmation that was then hard yeah. confirmed by Brandon. And I have a lot of questions about how did we get from the Emperor's soul? Totally. To, but I believe that we should kind of stay focused on 
how Moonlight is now as more Moonlight than the character we once met. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There does seem to be a lot of character growth uh, and change in between (laughs) those two things. But this person who we meet, who is going by the code name Moonlight, see my sort of speculation Mm -hmm. as to how she would have gotten here because at the end of Emperor Soul, she has some line like she's going to track down the jester or like the fool who sort of got her into the predicament she found herself in. And we hard speculate that that person is Hoyd. So she's going to chase down Hoyd at the end of Emperor's Soul. Presumably she finds him and maybe that is sort of what sets her on the path to world hopping. And we see in the Lost Metal, she and Hoyd clearly know each other we have this quote quote hoyd waxes coachman how had he gotten involved in the sting can't tell these days moonlight said if i'm keeping watch on him or if he's keeping watch on me realistically we're both just keeping watch on the same third parties what hoyd marasi asked he's been in wax's employ for years he's an odd fellow but in the next truck hoyd glanced at them past marasi and nodded to moonlight End quote. That connection between Hoyd and the young Shy, the Emperor's soul Shy, makes a lot of sense that tracking Hoyd leads her off world. And because of maybe some other things that we'll talk about the Ghost Buds later and other quotes that we got, we know that in the past, the perpendicularities were a main method of transit from planet to planet. Of course. And so it makes, to me, a lot of sense that Hoyd leaving Cell may have gone through a perpendicularity for maybe like ease of transportation, Mm -hmm. but then that opened him up to being watched and observed by Shai, giving her the clues to get off-world as well. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that there is anything more to that quote when it comes to keeping watch on him? It sounds a little bit like Azure and... Vasher's mm. relationship. Or- That's interesting, what we suspect anyway about them. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Hoyd is just keeping tabs on the ghost bloods in general, right? Hoyd likes to be in the know about any entities that are vying for power in the Cosmere. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I would say it's like super personal, but just that like Hoyd's, Hoyd's keeping tabs on all these types of people. And I think what is interesting, of course, is how the Ghostbloods and Hoyd will interact or the Ghostbloods and other Cosmere-aware characters will interact. We see the main interaction that happens in this story is with Marasi yeah. and her eventual refusal to join. We'll talk about that later. With Moonlight, I feel like the important thing is to kind of get an update on her powers because not only has her character seemed to change and grow since we last saw her yeah her powers have also developed quite a bit as well yeah and she seems to be sort of a pioneer uh in the field of sellish investitures in particular but the biggest moment is that we see her transform herself into an elantrian and we have quote the glow started to fade almost immediately But she knelt on the ground and began drawing with her finger. She consulted the map and the notations on it that Marasi showed her. She nodded, and light flooded from her, leaving a traced image on the ground. 
It looked a little like the map, a quick sketch of the basin, but with a strange rune at the center, end quote. So we have a lot of questions about how exactly Elantrian magics are functioning in other places, which I think we sort of touched on in our last episode, and I still don't fully understand, but clearly there's been a lot of advance in being able to take it off-world, which I would not have even thought would be possible. There's a lot of things that we don't know and don't understand, but the main mechanism that Shai is using here, Moonlight, is using here is her most powerful and potent soul stamp. This, to me, speaks of the origin of Selish magic system, and specifically the Elantrian system. Brandon has spoken about before seeing that as akin to or inspired by coding languages for computers, and that the magic has some similarities to coding languages we see a missing line of code as of the plot point of elantris that needs to be fixed filled in to match the new geography and my best guess is that moonlight here is inputting the geography of scadriel in place of that line of code that is needed i mean maybe not in place of because i'm assuming that the strange rune at the center of her map like is is the yeah elantrian rune so maybe she just has to like address herself sort of yeah and be like hey the door this is where i'm at send your power here sort of (laughs) i mean yeah i don't want to get too far into this computer analogy but there is a a process in the internet how all of you are receiving this communication right now where there's a pinging back and forth of you kind Mm -hmm. of send a message the receiver validates and kind of you go back and forth a little bit and i wonder if that's kind of what's going on is that when in elantris when The city was not working and there was the rayode. We basically had a negative series of coding conversations going on back and forth. The people were like, we are Elantrians and we would like to tap into the power. And the power was like, nah, this is messed up. And I think Shy Moonlight has discovered that way of communicating over longer distances. We don't quite know the mechanism, though, but it seems to impact not just the soul stamp, but each of her stamps, allowing her to use her magic off-world in a way that should be more difficult than it seems to be. Yeah, definitely. Shall we talk about Twin Soul, our next ghost blood? Absolutely. Probably the most interesting or the newest member. Certainly, we have not met Twin Soul anywhere else in the Cosmere. And the first time we have Aether's canon in the Cosmere. Some of you will remember a little while ago, we did a episode all about the short story, Aether of Night, and said in there that it was not a canon story, but was being reworked into the Cosmere at large. This is the first example of that. Here it is. And I loved it. Twinsel, to me, was the most interesting member of the Ghostbloods. I was intrigued by Moonlight, but Twinsel the powers that Twinsel had, his age, obviously, like all of mm-hmm. these kind of unique aspects and the 
relationship, too, that we found out that there is a relationship between the aether and the vessel, or that's not the term they used. And I think that was the biggest change, really, in between Aether of Night and then this. Like, we didn't really see that kind of, like, large-scale relationship between uh, an Aether-bound individual and the sort of capital A Aether. They talk about the relationship or not even really a relationship, but sort of a a feeling that they have of their Aether that is embedded in them. In Aether of Night, they can sort of sense when their Aether is tired or like almost maxed out, but they don't have this cosmic-ish relationship with Again, like a capital A Aether, some large entity that supposedly predates the shattering. Yeah, let's go to a couple of quotes. The first is kind of the most basic description of Twin Soul's appearance and the Aether's appearance in Twin Soul. Quote, there was something odd about his hands that she hadn't noticed earlier. A line of crystal embedded in the skin, running along the outsides of his fingers and wrists, almost like a seam on a glove. It was pinkish-red, like rose quartz. The man leaned down, and she saw lines of similar crystal appear from beneath his collar, growing up the sides of his neck and temples, crossing his skin like little rivers of liquid." This, to me, speaks of a unique relationship that we don't necessarily see elsewhere. Obviously, relationships exist between Spren and their radiance that is very personal and very meaningful. But this is almost a little bit like two physical entities interacting Mm, in a mm -hmm. more direct way than in that relationship on Rashar, where it's a, a physical person and a cognitive person kind of merging together or, or bonding together. Well, but then they can make shard plates. That's kind you of know, the, the That's example. the similarity, I yes, guess. Yes, that's the similarity. And this is kind of done seemingly in a slightly different way. But I do see similar tendencies when it comes yeah. to like cultivations magic. Something about oh. the like lines of a river and I'm getting like visions of the night watcher who is just kind of like a a living organism Mm -hmm. a little bit more you know made manifest by cultivation's magic the aethers seem to be something like that you know yeah like more organic sort of exactly and so their bond to me speaks more of what we see on first of the sun with the different birds bonding with their owners those to me kind of like I'm trying to picture another relationship in the Cosmere that's similar. I mean, it does. Yeah, it does seem to be a very personal relationship because it's sort of like it is similar, I think, to the Spren bond Mm -hmm. in the way that Spren are, you know, splinters of investiture that have broken off and gained sentience. So in some sense, they are little bits of a shard and an aether bound person has literally a tiny bud a tiny little bit of a being that is maybe like a shard but it's embedded into their body and so it is a very close uh and like physical tangible 
bond. Now, of course, what you can do with that bond is always the interesting question. And Twin Soul is immensely powerful, yeah. though at first looked at as more kind of a, a knowledge source or a leader uh, from the the clubhouse. And like, <laughs> you know, we're going to send people out. Twin Soul is not going to go with us. Nay, nay. That man yeah. walks alongside. <laughs> they say that he is uh, a scholar. They think there's mention that he sort of spends his days in scholarship. He is originally called upon to help with some like math or engineering problems that they're trying to solve. But he certainly holds his own in the physical aspect of their job. One of the most interesting abilities that Aetherbound, or at least Twinsel, seem to possess is to manifest and grow this quartz crystal, rosite, into any shape that they can imagine, seemingly any shape that they can imagine. He makes a ladder. He makes spectacles. He makes an entire map of building. Yeah. He is able to have very fine and precise control and with enough investiture is also to make massive objects, a huge wall, a, a golem type of armor suit. And this brings into question to me, like, where is the distinction between Twinsel, the person, and the Aether? What's, mm. Whose will is going on here? Is it uh, a conversation between these kind of two individuals that's like i think we should do this is it a split personality is it a vessel and shard intent relationship like is there maybe a question that we should have about like who's controlling oh. this situation uh i don't know that is another aspect and like way that it is different from the non-canon short story because when you don't have that larger entity there to potentially interfere it was much more similar to the magic systems that we've seen up until this point where the the Aetherbound person, you know, is using their will to create all of these things. I don't necessarily think that the capital A Aether is in charge in that kind of way. It almost sounds like they have sort of a hive mind ish bond but with more autonomy this is what uh twin soul says quote this bud connects me to Selajana, he continued and through him to all of his other aetherbound he is the core and we his web he is eternal and we his mortal agents in the cosmere end quote what i love about that quote that idea of the people, the Aetherbound being the web, is also that webs are destroyed quite often. The mm, mortal yeah. aspect of, you know, passing, being useful in the time, serving a purpose. But eventually, like, the whole point of a web is that it is biodegradable and that it just <laughs> kind of goes away. And the spider, in this case, the Aether, continues to live on. Mm -hmm. What I want to do is now jump to Marasi hearing this information and get and getting a little bit more about the maybe like deep lore or okay. deep history. Quote, Sil-a-ja-na, Marasi said, trying to form the unfamiliar sounds. That is your god? Both less and more than a god, he explained. Silajana is one of the primal aethers. They predate Adonalsium, you know, and exist outside of his power. 
They predate the Shattering, Moonlight said. That doesn't mean they predate ad nauseum. To my people, this is a sacred tenant, he said to Marasi, ignoring Moonlight. End quote. So there's lore, there's a kind of a religious aspect, mm -hmm. but then there's competing philosophical concepts yeah. about like, what is this power source? Where did it come from? Predate the shattering is what Moonlight claims. Right. Of course, if you predate the shattering, then you're at least as old as Adenalsium in existence. Like Adenalsium was around while the Aethers were around. Well, right. Like they existed concurrently at some point. Ex and the question is, how far back does that go? You know, who's the oldest of right. the superpowered things? Yeah. My question for you is, do we think that Aether bound are going to become more influential in the story? Or will they only be side characters in the way that Twinsel was a side character in The Lost Metal? That's a good question. I have not heard Brandon talk about any plans to write a standalone novel specifically about Aetherbound people. So I would say they're probably going to continue to show up like Twinsel. As the Cosmere continues to expand and integrate, they will sort of start popping up all over the place. It sounds like, well, we know that Twin Souls' homeland is uninhabitable, apparently, by humans, presumably, but maybe everything as well. And so there has been sort of a diaspora of Aetherbound all over the Cosmere. So I think as we continue forward, these people are going to start making themselves known and taking part in the direct action of the stories. I certainly think that any entities like Twinsel that offer up a new bit of lore, new bit of information simply by their existence, and when their beliefs are in such direct contrast to the regular stories that we have. Yeah, it's really interesting. It just fills me with fascination, fills me with questions, and I want far more of Twinsel. We see at the end when Marasi is asked to join the Ghostbloods that Twinsel is offering to be her direct mentor and to go together mm -hmm. and find Moonlight now Elantrian yeah. shy but i think that this concept of twinsel as like the elder statesman of the ghost bloods he might represent a really pure aspect of like what it means to be the ghost bloods or bring some legitimacy yeah. i could see like to me he seems the most maybe in it for the right reasons he has a kind yeah, of servant's sure. mindset almost to helping people because he's a little bit motivated by the destruction of his own planet and like, well, I can't go home, but like, I'll protect, I'll protect this planet and mm -hmm. somebody else's home. And like, you know, I don't want anyone else to go through what I went through where their planet is destroyed and they have to flee. Now, will you read off his full title and his full weight? Because I do think that Brandon's introduction of these types of lines are what 
provides the depth are questions about are generated by these types of sentences where it's just like oh man this guy has a lot going on a lot of history <laughs> totally and i want to know it all quote by the grace of Salajana, suna and vishwadar and the 12 primal aethers i am sanveth prasanva mahik via Silla, grand aether bound of the 12 kingdoms raj of the coriander court and these people are under my protection, end quote. And then he immediately proceeds to turn into a giant rock monster. (laughs) It's so interesting. It's also very clear that Brandon has changed the flavor of the original Aether world in the short story. It's much more of a Roman-styled society, and it seems like he is moving that more towards like an Indian uh, styled society, which is exciting. I'm so interested in everything about this world now. I want to know all about like their culture and what is the Coriander Court. Was Twin Soul a royal of some kind? That's what Raj would mean. Like that's very interesting. I would love to have an actual Aetherbound story, but I don't think we're going to get one. There's always potential for a short story turning into an entire series <laughs> by true. accident. So we I might have that to look forward to. I think we have been staying pretty blind on all of the secret projects, but I think something that I may have like slightly glanced at, I think one of the secret projects has Aethers in it. So I believe you are correct. Ooh, ooh. Maybe we'll find out more soon. Do you feel ready to move off of Twin Soul to Good Friend? Codenames are stupid. <laughs> Let's do it. So Codenames are stupid is introduced as kind of the plucky young one of the group. Yep. She is described as being about 20 years old and introduces herself as Codenames are stupid. Uh, Twin Soul is actually the one who drops her actual name, Case who is Serene's young cousin in Elantris, uh, which is exciting to see. I remember really liking her character in Elantris. Here she is, all grown up. In Elantris, she is known to be quite smart for her age. She and her brother are both highly intelligent. And we see now she is like all grown up. She's still very smart. She is particularly adept at languages. And she comments that she is learning languages of the Cosmere, like purely or naturally, whereas Moonlight is using connection to speak in other people's languages, but she's not actually learning the language. So I thought that was really interesting. And that quality also enables Case to be sort of the manager in the ghost bloods of their cross-Cosmere communications and their records. Yeah, I see her as, you know, in the modern world, she'd be carrying around the radio and doing the long distance comms, telling the group where to go and whatnot. (laughs) I feel like the introduction or the inclusion of code names is maybe one of those things that will prove more valuable in the future. Like I think we're going to see code names again. Yeah, I agree. I one think of this was primary just her introduction. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I could definitely imagine a code names appearing elsewhere in the Cosmere. We always should be reminding people on these lost metal conversations that lost metal at minimum and probably all of era two take place. After 
Stormlight Archive 5. Yes, which is a very interesting fact that I did like have to keep reminding myself of that I feel like I haven't fully wrapped my brain around all of the implications yet. Well, Stormlight Archive 5 is also only supposed to be 10 days. There may be time jumps before or after. Well, not before, but there may be time jumps after. However, I think that seeing, for example, code names on Rashar wouldn't make a lot of sense in book five. Because Mm -hmm. then how do they get back to Scadrail that quickly? Yeah. Whereas we're certainly introduced to other members of the Ghostbloods that are Ayatil and... And her brother. Delaval, I believe, pronunciation, not my strong suit. But I think that I'm excited for where codenames can go from here. My question, as I always have about new characters and new powers being introduced, is... Do you think that she is actually adept at languages or is there something on cell happening with connection in a weird way? Like are cellish people more open to connection naturally, we'll say? No, I think this really is her own intelligence and just desire to learn. We see in Elantris that she is quite a scholarly little girl yeah like she's she's interested she's curious she likes learning and so it makes sense that that carries through to her as an adult well we have this about codename's friend and i think it's important to bring into the conversation Mm -hmm. quote codename's friend turned out to be a glowing sphere of light the size of a child's head though perfectly symmetrical and marked at the center with an arcane symbol end quote this we know to be uh, Seon from Elantris slash Cell. We have also seen one of these be used in Rhythm of War. Yes. And I think in, maybe not in Rhythm of War, but maybe in our conversations regarding that breakdown, didn't we discover that the language, there's a translation happening within the Seon across the worlds so that there could be communication. Oh, I don't know about that because the Seons, when they are allowing you to communicate, they are just replicating your face and voice. And we only see Shalon and Mraes using them. Presumably they're speaking their native languages. Okay, for some reason I thought it was both a walkie-talkie and a translator device. I don't recall that. Because Seons are of the cognitive realm, similar to Spren in a lot of ways, I wonder about the ability to remove Seans from Cell also being the secret to removing Spren from Rashar. Well, yeah, and we see the one on Rashar in the box, Mm -hmm. which sort of makes sense. However, this one is not in a box, so, yeah, then there's the question of, like, how did they get that one off of Cell? Is it because it's bonded to code names, and so it can kind of go where she goes? Unclear. Of course, we also saw in Mistborn Secret History that the Cellish people for a long time have had a relationship with Scadrail. So, yeah. Like, maybe they are closer in the cognitive realm mm-hmm. than other planets. And that's really the only thing. It's just a matter of like connection already existing. Maybe. There where it doesn't in Rashar. So you need that box to mm-hmm. prevent or confuse. I think 
a question of timeline definitely is interesting because I think we are seeing the display of power, display of abilities happening seemingly simultaneously, but it's like the technology hasn't gotten to the outskirts or you have... Yeah, it's weird because in so many ways, it feels like in The Lost Metal, we're seeing sort of the start of the ghost bloods, but it's not because they have already expanded to Rashar and like there's already the whole Rasharan branch of the ghost bloods with Mraze and Ayatel et al. And so I'm like I'm having a hard time putting these separate groups together in my head and tracking or finding a cohesive guiding sort of organization and principle for them. Well, when in need of a guiding principle or inspiration, I think we should go to the one who started it all and really explore Kelsier or Thydekar, as he should be known as the leader of the Ghostbloods. To me, Kelsier's introduction in Mistborn's Secret History was always the questionable part of like, Where's Brandon going to go with this? Mm-hmm. How is this going to develop? When will Kelsier return and in what form? And I thought that the introduction of Thydekar in The Lost Metal was pretty well done. We get a lot of explanation and a lot of understanding all concluded with a conversation with God slash Zays. Mm-hmm. And I always find those fascinating. Of course. So I think that Thydekar did what he was supposed to do in this story, bringing the Cosmere, bringing the Ghostbloods into a more direct view. But I still have so many questions regarding why and how and what will Thydekar be to the Cosmere going forward. Yeah, definitely. And, well, just so many questions. The most important defining characteristic, and to me what separates Kelsier from Thydekar. I'll use the names interchangeably, but I honestly believe that the thing we see now is Thydekar and Kelsier is not around anymore. Mm -mm. And I've talked about this previously. I don't want to necessarily go into my whole philosophy regarding what has happened, but I like what someone said in regards to the name of Kelsier's group, the Ghost Bloods, is also a description of Kelsier. He is a yeah. ghost mixed with the blood of the hemallergic spike that we assume brought him back into the physical realm. And he now has one spiked eye. Yeah, I think now I'm even more convinced as well of the theory that we talked about in our last Ghostbloods episode, which is that it is a sort of description of or like change of Mistborn. Mm-hmm. Ghost blood, sort of describing the fact that Kelsier is a cognitive shadow, and then he is now in this weird physical body somehow and trying to get his powers back. It's all just very fascinating. Because, of course, Kelsier was our original Mistborn teaching and mentoring mm-hmm. Vin. I think that that is a end positive version of creation and and like the 
ultimate power that can exist on Skadriel is a Mistborn, as the in-positive version. But there should also conceivably be an in-neutral version and an in-negative version. We see in-negative a lot with Marsh and like the super-spiked Inquisitors, but Kelsier is kind of going down that route as well, transitioning from the Mistborn to the Ghostblood. Mm-hmm. And with regard to how this is changed him and like what is different about him we have this quote quote kelsier didn't see quite as he once had one eye saw as a mortal the other as an immortal his spiked eye not only pinned his soul to his bones but gave him a constant overlay of blue letting him see the world as a being like zazed did outlining not only sources of metal but all things the very axi that made up matter had their own polarity influenceable with steel pushing under the right circumstances end quote i feel like that changes everything we know about metallurgy tell me more why do you feel that way well it sounds like it's not actually about metal it's about magnetic orientation if it's pushing on polarities interesting okay i understand where you're coming from I think that it is a separation of degrees. We saw this actually play out with Wax in book two, Shadows of Self, I believe. He described seeing his blue lines connecting to steel and then subdividing into like the individual pieces of a bullet, the, yeah. the pin and the casing, and having the ability to subdivide in that way. But of course, you can keep subdividing all the way down to the level of individual atoms, which in the Cosmere are called axi. But is there metal in every single thing in the world? I believe that the thing that is happening on Scadriel is that all metals are also magically blessed, just as souls are magically blessed by their creators, Ati and Laris, the gods and original shard holders. So to me, the metal of Scadriel is akin to a soul on Scadriel. But like a tree has metal in it? I think that a tree does not necessarily have metal in it. I guess maybe some trace amounts, blah, blah, blah. But you would functionally be seeing past the illusion that it's metal that they are connecting to. Metal is like a ping. It's like a... a big beacon that's saying like you can connect to me uh, it's open for connection and like ready for these people who are blessed. Well, that's what i'm saying i feel like this cha- like, it just changes everything it makes it seem like there is something going on with metallurgy that has not previously been talked about and maybe i don't know like maybe he's just saying that only he can steel push or he would have the possibility to steel push these Axie. And he does say, quote, under the right circumstances. So maybe it's like just a Kelsier thing. And I'm assuming it also has to do with the specific metal that is making up the spike for his eye. That is allowing this type of immortal sight rather well, than like regular steel sight. I think he also might have as a sliver of infinity, someone who held the power of a shard and gave it up, I think that probably has some trace elements even to Thytokar because he did that as a cognitive shadow. Mm -hmm. 
And therefore, I think he is perhaps like aware in a way that only a sliver could be of what is possible. And so therefore, he is above all other known things on schedule. I do not think that this is possible. This type of vision Mm -hmm. is possible even for someone like Wax. And we've already talked about how Wax might be the most experienced person on the planet because of his lifestyle. And we have perhaps an ability along a timeline that is long enough for people to figure this out through technology. But I think basically he's hinting at something that is real. And like you said, that it's not about metal. It's not about those whatever atoms arranged in a certain way that makes something steel or Mm -hmm. iron. It is about a deeper connection to the source, which has always been the spiritual realm. Like that's what is happening. Right. But that's what's making me think that maybe it has to do with the metal and the spike. And I think it's probably a multifaceted scenario. You know, it's not just one of these things. It's probably all of these things together. But it seems like it would have to be the spike metal as well to allow vision of investiture and not just like vision of metal. Yeah, he's certainly pushing beyond saying yeah. right there in the quote that he doesn't only outline sources of metal, yeah. but all things. And I, my belief is that it's more his memory as a sliver about all things being connected that is kind of like coming through and allowing him to view the world that way. That might allow him to process what he's seeing in an understandable I think, way. yeah, with like more alacrity than maybe a regular person. So like I said, I think these things are all working together to do what Kelsier is doing. We have lots of quotes from Kelsier as well as the other Ghostbloods about the overall goals and the philosophy kind of underlying the Ghostbloods. And then we have a conversation which seemed to be able to we could highlight the entire thing and just read from Kelsier and Zay's conversation at the end of the book. We're not quite going to do that. However, I'd love to discuss kind of the goals or tenets of the Ghostbloods, assuming that Kelsier is the main reason for these tenets. Yeah, definitely. We get some quotes that the Ghostbloods have three general tenants. The first one is to protect Scadriel. The second, we share what we know with each other, Moonlight said. There are no secrets within a team. If you ask Kelsier, even he'll tell you what he's planning. But you absolutely cannot share secrets outside the organization without his permission. And the third is that, quote, we trust each other. Twin Soul said, we're a team, a family. You join us, you absolutely swear not to make a move against another ghost blood. No infighting, no betrayals, no undermining one another, no squabbling over resources or favor, end quote. Now we see some of those tenants in Mm -hmm. play with our Risharian ghost blood, Mm -hmm. specifically that last one about not moving against one another, infighting and betrayal being heavily looked down upon. Not saying it doesn't happen within the ghost bloods, but we also, of course, have a key difference being that protect Scadriel cannot be the main motivating tenant for the ghost bloods on Rashar. Or do you think that those people are all similarly motivated by Scadriel first? Yeah, that is a great question. I 
don't know that we've seen evidence for that, but I also don't know that we've seen evidence against it. So I agree. I think it could go either way. We certainly do see that the Rasharan ghost bloods are serving Thydekar, are clearly trying to accomplish missions on Thydekar's behalf. And so if for some reason Thydekar has decided that certain things happening on Rashar or are to the benefit of Scadriel, you know, then maybe that justifies some of the things that Mraza's ghost bloods do. It's just very unclear to me what the exact connections are. And then I just have a lot of questions about the goals of the ghost bloods that we've seen, which seems to be one exporting Stormlight, um, controlling the Oath Gates, and then like capturing or killing the Heralds. How do those line up with the Skadrian ghost bloods existence and goals? It's almost like the Rasharan ghost bloods are Thydekar's like personal side guard, sort of, that he like deployed to Rashar and was like, you're gonna do some personal errands for me. <laughs> And they're, like, not necessarily doing ghost blood things, but they're kind of just researching things specifically for Thydekar's personal interests. We know that they are trying to, like, capture or kill heralds to try to figure out a way for Kelsier to get off Skadriel. Mm-hmm. They're sort of investigating other cognitive shadows for that reason. I think we now know more of why they're trying to control the oath gates we hear from the ghost bloods in the lost metal that perpendicularities are becoming less and less practical or safe as a mode of transportation and so obviously having control of the oath gates would be a huge benefit um, to an organization like the ghost bloods which is cosmere wide and kelsier is criticizing zazed in that epilogue as not preparing the people of Scadriel, Harmony's people, for the wider Cosmere, saying that travel through Shadesmar is basically, you know, walking into the lion's den of all these shards who are seemingly jealous and fighting for power and willing to, you know, destroy planets, and that there is a greater threat that is ongoing to Scadriel than just the the civil war, the internal tensions, and that it's Harmony's responsibility to prepare Scadriel for that. And one of his main asks of Harmony is for greater technology, saying Bavidin, autonomy, gives their people access to technology and Harmony does not. Why? Why not push us forward? Why not prepare us in that way for what we know is out there and what we know is coming? Do you think that Thydekar's role will be of savior of Scadriel? I don't know. He, to me, he still seems to be serving himself before anything else. But also, to me, recognizing the clear problem. You know, I hate to agree wholeheartedly with Thydekar, but looking at what we have been talking about in the lead up to The Lost Metal and on our reread of Era 2, I think there is something seriously wrong 
with Zazed Harmony. Yeah. And what does this dark shadow and this discord mm-hmm. mean? But Didacar is the one calling that out. He says, quote, you can't protect this world, Zaze, Kelsier said. We have to face it. Something's happening to you. I have it in hand. Do you? Do you really? Zaze remained there, seated with his eyes closed. There are potential allies out there, Kelsier said. Moonlight's world, perhaps, or the land of the Aethers. Hell, maybe even Mythos. We need a way to reach them, end quote. To me, this recognition that something is wrong with Zazed, he might be the only entity on Skadriel that has the potential awareness to call out Harmony in that instance, maybe Marsh being the other one. But- yeah, there's there's a few, because I think one of the Chondras also mentions Harmony's shadow. Like, there are, there are a few different entities that at least have a sense that not all is good yes maybe kelsier is the only one that has the familiarity and the balls to like actually say something yeah he has a habit of punching gods when they <laughs> get a little uppity but yes ten soon definitely mentions the dark shadow and something being wrong with harmony vandell makes remarks along that line mm-hmm. and in fact we know that kelsier wants specifically mistborn if not technology he says to to the masses mm. give us mistborn yes. Where are our greatest weapon in this cosmic Cosmere fight? And Zazed says that the Laracium that was created from the massive explosion at the beginning of Lost Metal produced only a small amount and that it wouldn't work on Kelsier anyways. Kelsier then immediately says that he's also tried hemallergic ways mm-hmm. to restore his powers. And so Thydekar is without powers, wants them, wants to democratize powers like this is what i am talking about i hate to agree but this sounds like all the stuff i would want too. see but i think i think this is i think this is kelsier and like maybe he is doing the best he can as a little bit of a psychopath but like i think his goal is to get himself power and then also maybe i'll democratize it but like the thing that is really driving him is giving himself power. And he is perhaps good enough to channel his self-obsessed interest mm. like in a good direction. Um, but I think like at his core, at his heart, it's about him. It's about him getting power. He wants to be the savior of the people. You know, he ends that conversation by saying, I'm going to protect our people, whatever it costs. And, you know, he is constantly centering himself in the story. And I like, I'm not saying he's not necessarily doing good things, but I don't know that they are completely altruistically motivated. I think that's fair. Saying Kelsier is ever completely altruistically motivated is probably wrong. And this actually does loop back into my criticism of the name Kelsier and my belief that we are dealing with more of a Thydekar is that not only does he want to be the savior, but in a strange way, he has created a system that like reinforces his need to be the savior. Yeah. His religion, survivorism, is... If we compare it to Rashar, when people have thoughts on Rashar about honor, or people have 
uh, a glory sprint, you know, these moments of fear and the sprint that then manifest, there is some type of relationship happening where a person feels an emotion and a spren responds to that, manifests in the mm-hmm. physical world a little mm-hmm. bit. Kelsier is the spren in this situation. When people pray to the survivor, that manifests in some way in what Thydekar is. Well, see, that's a thing, though. We've talked about this a few times. We don't know that that is true. This is my speculation. Sorry. Yes. Right. I, this I is, to... We've like questioned the way that that might work a lot because it seems like some type of feedback there would make sense with what we know about the Cosmere and Realmatic theory. However, we do not know that that is the case. We have like suspected that maybe that's something that's going on with the Heralds, but I don't feel comfortable saying like, I'm confident that that's how it works. I'm curious if that's how it works, but I don't think we really have anything that would make me feel really confident that that's actually it. Absolutely. 100% agree. This is my speculation and kind of my fear that if you put Thydekar up against Harmony, my belief is that Thydekar would kind of break Harmony by design of what Thydekar is, which is this like entity that can only kind of continue the momentum that was set forth by Kelsier, who happened to be a revolutionary, you know, willing to kill the gods of his day. I am very fearful that there will be some type of head between Thydekar and Harmony. Yeah, I feel like we're sort of being set up for a replay, sort of, of Mistborn Era 1, where Kelsier is going to go up against Harmony, who at that point, like, maybe Discord, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, the tables sort of turn. We start to see Sazed Harmony Discord as a bad leader figure. Kelsier is like, I will save you. I'm going to shatter Harmony, does it, and then everything is worse. Yes. <laughs> and you realize how much Sazed has been doing that was actually good, even though you thought he was the bad leader. Exactly what did happen, as you said, a repeat yes. of that yes. era one. Because Kelsier is not the kind of person who learns from his mistakes. No, needs to make that same mistake over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And doing it on a Cosmere scale would certainly set up more of that Cosmere war. I have to hope that eventually we get some wins for these people because yeah. it seems like everybody's about Things to rack up a bunch of Things are going in a L's. bad trajectory at the moment. Let's return back to the Ghostbloods as a group and talk about some of their uses of investiture because there were mm-hmm. unique and, you know, really opening up our eyes to what is possible and setting up a lot of cross-contamination of the magical worlds. Yeah. Obviously, the biggest one is that they have purified door, which is, quote, concentrated investiture, Moonlight said, unkeyed from any identity. This is an energy source that can power things like your metallic arts, end quote. Certainly the most useful of situations for our heroes. We see both Twinsel and moonlight use the purified door and all of the bunker people yes yeah to stop the yeah, invasion yeah, yeah. from coming so it can be used by anyone like of she course. said it's unkeyed from identity so my i am so confused about this 
Because why would the Ghostbloods care at all about trying to export Stormlight from Rashar when they already have access to Purified Door, concentrated investiture that is unkeyed from identity? Like, they seem to have access to as much investiture as they could want. So what is the obsession with getting Stormlight off of Rashar in this, like, economic you know, trying to own the Cosmere economy thing. Can I make a comparison to our real world that may or may not be accurate? I don't know. Am I going to be bored? No. (laughs) It's going to be fantastic. (gasps) Okay. The concentrated door, the purified door that we see is gasoline or oil on our planet. Okay. And stormlight is solar, wind, or other renewable energy sources. This is my speculation But basically, what we saw with the purified door is it was stored in some type of container. And then as they used it, it was all gone. Mm -hmm. If getting that door is in any way difficult, if it's, for example, Yeah, we don't know how they get it, I guess. Yeah, so if it's... If it needs to be mined, if it needs to be dug for, if it needs to, you know, you need to fight a demon in order to take his purified door, whatever, if it presents any type of difficulty, then it's a limited for wide scale use type of situation. You can get it and use it as like a one off as these individuals do Mm -hmm. and that we see enacted. But the primary benefit of Stormlight from a Cosmere economy mindset to me, is that it is a renewable energy source. Would you agree or disagree with that explanation? And did I bore you? You did not bore me. I think that was actually, that was a helpful perspective. I'm I'm curious. I'll be curious to see how that continues to play out. Because then my other question is, is that project more of a Mraze project? Is that just like a Mraze thinks he could be rich if he figures that out. And maybe it's not as much a Ghostbloods Thydekar project. You know, not everything that the individual Ghostbloods are doing. I think particularly on Rashar or maybe in other like Ghostblood satellite groups that mm-hmm. may exist. You know, they can have their own goals. They pretty much say that to Shalon. They're like, yeah, we, you know, we don't interfere with each other, but we kind of all have our own stuff that we're working on that we're using ghost blood resources to accomplish so it could be that these things are also unrelated yes i think they're tangentially related i do believe that there would be a similar benefit for figuring out like why does stormlight drain or i think as marais described like a weight mm-hmm. is placed upon the stormlight the further you get from rashar mm-hmm. Maybe just like experimenting with that and finding a way to sever that connection would then allow you to further develop that mm. and be able to not have people or spren linked to Rashar yeah. in that same way. Yeah. But I do believe that the uses of Purified Door, the existence of Purified Door, the unkeyed nature of it certainly is pointing to our southern scadrian friends with their fabrials and the medallions i was just gonna say i wonder if the excisers that they get are the same 
technology that the ghost bloods have been using to create this purified door an excellent theory or you know one came from the other this is thydekar's version of what he saw on or from the people from cell Mm -hmm. and kind of it's really up in the air and i think primarily what we're doing is speculating but there is a lot of possibility with unkeyed magic and we know that and have been talking about that for quite a long time yeah let's talk about a different kind of key <laughs> specifically a lock yes. that uh, needs to be unlocked with a key there are a couple of different magical locks that we see at the ghost bloods safe house one is an identity lock which is on the door of the safe house and works sort of like a fingerprint sensor on our devices in our world except that it is sensing your specific identity, capital I identity. And then there's an awakened lock, which is protecting the purified door that uses a command and has the ability to read your intent to tell if you have been given the passcode or if you stole the passcode. Very interesting. Now, to me, this is a huge flashing signal that the ghost bloods definitely need to have someone who is either part of the ghost bloods or was helping the ghost bloods who has a bunch of breath i am very intrigued after this as to what has been happening on nalthus over all this time there were a few references to nalthus from the ghost bloods and I am just so fascinated to learn what's been going on over there, how these incredible advances in their magic system have been taking place. I think that we should at least speculate a little bit, just a minor bit of speculation, that Azure slash Vivenna was part of, or maybe still is, part of the Ghostbloods. Because who else is moving all around the Cosmere. I don't think she is part of the Ghost Bloods. I think that perhaps Vivenna and Vasher, as scholars mm-hmm. on Nalthus, interfaced with the Ghost Bloods in sort of a, a friendly, you know, scholar to scholar. Yeah, maybe way. caught a ride on the same like caravan around the, uh, you know, you're posting up with Moonlight, you meet Vivenna, hey, this is my friend Vasher, and you guys are just on your little trip going through the cognitive realm. Perhaps. But I, yeah, I don't think that she would have joined the Ghost Bloods. Well, I can certainly continue to provide ridiculous speculation, but I found it very interesting that Awakened Locks were so used by the Ghostbloods, and yet we had no one who was a breath holder or an apparent breath holder. There is a moment when Moonlight uh, makes a color-based metaphor slash idiom Mm -hmm. that, as I was reading through the you know, first time I was like, hmm, is she a Nalthinian? But I think that that maybe just indicates that she spent time on Nalthus, you know, enough time to pick up their colloquialisms. Well, of the magic systems, I certainly have always felt a big similarity between the soul stamping of Shy's magic and the breath-based commands of the Nalthinian magic system. Mm. Because of that connection between the intent or the command and the deep understanding that is 
needed for soul stamps to operate. It just seemed to operate, you know, closer. That there was a kind of pushing of magic in breath in one case, and then through the magic ink of soul stamping in the other case. Uh, And then that would often go into an object, inanimate, many times, you know, the little Mm -hmm. moppets or pieces of clothing and fabric. But of course, having the potential for far greater things, awakening metal or stamping a deceased person to be alive with all the characteristics of their living self. Mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of where I saw the connection and would not be surprised at all if Moonlight had spent time on Nalthus. I mean, I think both of those magic systems are have been shown to have implications for all other magic in the Cosmere. Mm-hmm. We've sort of learned about certain principles of investiture through those magic systems that we're now starting to see apply broadly to all magic systems in the Cosmere. Of course, intent and commands from the Nalthian system. And then also, I think the idea of the conception, the idea, the story of something, which is sort of related to intent, but the ability Mm -hmm. to hold that story in your mind has an effect on magic. And we see all of that specifically in Rhythm of War with all of Navani's experiments. And in Emperor's Soul, seeing that Shai needs to have an understanding of the history of something, and the closer the history of the object is to the thing that she is trying to change, the easier the transformation. All of this then leads to Shai's soul stamps, which were powerfully used in the Lost Metal. But I just wanted to break down the three different soul stamps that she utilized uh, throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Quote, I have three soul stamps on me at the moment, two universal stamps, one essence mark. It takes time and preparation to create more, time we don't have, so we'll have to rely on these ones. I can use each stamp multiple times, but no use will last long since they weren't right. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Moonlight, Twinsel explained, has stamps that rewrite the nature of the objects she encounters. One makes a doorway appear where none previously existed. The second repairs a broken or worn object to make it look new. Is that correct? Moonlight nodded. It's something I'm practicing still. Stamps that will work on any object, I mean. Requires invested ink on this planet. But we've got the process mostly working. End quote. So these three stamps, two universal, one essence mark. Prior in Emperor's Soul, we saw her kind of individually creating They had to be specific to the object. To the object, to the desired change. So these universal stamps are very interesting. And points again to the development of Fabrials generally across the Cosmere, where you are increasing the ease of operation. Mm -hmm. The... Clearly, Shy might be the the greatest soul stamper or the greater greatest creator of soul stamps. But the point would be that anybody could pick up that universal stamp and have all the same power as Shy. And then we get to the essence mark, which, as we've discussed, turns her into an Elantrian, and that's the aspect that she needed to modify, maybe change the lines of code. I'm curious what the invested ink is. Like, is it just ink that they put, like, the purified door into? Or 
you know, it makes sense that they have to do a little bit of extra shenanigans mm-hmm. when they're on a different planet. I'm just very curious what this invested ink is. Yeah, I was kind of wondering, is it ink that has metal flakes in it? You know, where, <laughs> where's the invested coming is it your investiture is it an off-world investiture yeah and what's that process like does the ink actually need to be sourced from cell right is that something that needs to be brought and the limiting factor is more like yo we're low on ink yeah (laughs) rather than her creations are there any other questions that you have regarding the ghost bloods any of their magic systems that they used or what we see from thydekar in the lost metal One thing that struck me that I thought was just a fun detail, we find out that the ghost blood's symbol, the interlocking three diamonds, Mm -hmm. is an interpretation of the Merwell flower on Scadriel. I thought it was just really cool to see the origins of this symbol that we've seen for so long. It certainly is a connection that I wasn't necessarily expecting, but am now very glad that it exists. I believe when we were discussing the Lost Metal and Marsh specifically, these characters who can come from Era 1 and the real benefit that Brandon is doing is only needing, for example, a simple image to connect to that deep history of emotion that we have as readers and the characters have obviously personally but i love that the concept of hope and kelsier's love and the Marewell flower from era one is carried over into era two i'm questioning if you know mare would be interested in all this ghost blood stuff doesn't she really just want kelsier to you know be happy come to the beyond um, Probably. She was like, I would like to have my husband with me, but he's off being an egomaniac. <laughs> we hope mainly egomaniac, not just maniac. <laughs> and the, those lines don't get too crisscrossed. Eh, they're pretty much the same thing. When it comes to the secret organization that is the Ghostbloods, I believe that the oft-used Brandon line of there's always another secret will continue to apply. Yeah. We learned a bunch. We got a bunch of new information, a bunch of new characters, saw magic be used in ways never seen before. And yet, mainly, I just have more questions exactly. about the Ghostbloods. Yeah. Which is an incredible it of writing that brandon's done he's just you yeah. know given me a bunch of answers and proposed several new ones but i'm so happy that there are all of you who are along for the journey as we discover the different secrets that have been laid out across the cosmere let us know what you think about the ghost bloods their magic systems what the heck thydacar is up to you can find us on facebook and reddit very and- importantly you can also find us on patreon become a patron over there and you get extra special bonus episodes including all of our deep and crazy speculation about what might be happening next in the cosmere brooke can you take us away until next time life before death strength before weakness journey before destination 